Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. C11, woo. It was such a tumble of unpacking this story, lots of predictions about a gloom and doom, and lots of very good discussions about what do we do with modern media. It is a kind of known as the streaming services law. It's now passed, and it is going to be showing up at a theater near you or in your computer. It is... A moment, you know, I was talking earlier about CanCon. I have a lot of experience with it. And then all the words that were being used in this really set me off. And I have a, a great reflection on what that meant throughout my career and the, the kind of regulations that there were on radio stations. But this law is going to be perhaps a turning point. We're going to find out more what we need to know and those who are critics of it, what they're what they're nervous about. And joining us as we begin, Matt Hatfield, Campaigns Director with Open Media. Matt, good afternoon. Hi there. Thanks for having me. All right, Matt, how much of a of a moment is this for you that it's passed here? Are you ready for it? I guess we're ready. I mean, it's it's a, a big moment, but it's also the start of everything that comes next. So uh, the bill that's been passed uh, has a lot of the same fundamental issues that it did about a year ago. And uh, the two big issues, in our view, are that it gives the CRTC the power to regulate online user video and audio content uh, as if it were broadcasting. Um, and it also gives them a very broad right to interfere with what shows up in your feeds and search results on many online platforms. So to try to get more official CanCon appearing there, and potentially uh, you could be seeing less of the things you actually want to see. All right. Uh, you know, they use the defense that it's there to promote Canadian content. As I said, I mean, I, I do not know how many times I have heard that in my career and it was tough. And then companies and broadcast companies found ways around it and found ways to make it work. What is different about this? Because this is the modern interpretation. And I think a lot of people don't realize how is it going to affect when they turn on their computer? Uh, well, that's a great question. I mean, one of the weird things of the bill, the, the bill has passed and it said this is how it's going to work, but we actually haven't revisited CanCon and uh, redefined what that means yet. Uh, and the definitions of, of what is Canadian content were last updated in, in the 80s. Uh, they haven't really been touched since. And so we don't know who is going to qualify as officially Canadian and what kind of content will be chosen. Um, people shouldn't think that they're going to turn on their computer tomorrow and, and the bill has instantly changed everything. There's actually going to be a couple of years uh, at the CRTC of figuring out what all this means. It is. And that's going to be another battle, isn't it? The interpretation of it. Yes, exactly. I mean, we want to make sure that it's as, as fair as possible and as, as inclusive as possible. There shouldn't be any Canadian creators who suddenly find that they somehow are designated not CanCon. I mean, that's that's crazy happens, though, and it happened many, many years ago. Let me ask you, um, Matt, what's your worst fear about this then? 
I mean, I guess the worst fear is that uh, some of the harshest critics of the government are right, and this is uh, sort of a creeping attempt to uh, create a legal basis on which the government can regulate user content much more directly and uh, interfere with with our speech and online expression. Uh, The government throughout has said that is absolutely not their intention. And on day one of the bill passing, uh, the, the new CRTC head, uh, Vicky Etrides, um, issued a statement saying that she has no intention of, uh, of regulating user content. But this next stage is really the opportunity for the government to put their money where their mouth is, as it were. And um, we think it would have been much better if they'd clearly protected user content in the bill. Uh, but what they can do now is issue a policy direction to the CRTC making crystal clear that user content and user choice should both be respected. All right. User content and user choice. You know, uh, people are watching YouTube. There's a whole new world out there, and it's not even so new. It's kind of old at this point, isn't it, Matt? Again, I mean, there's a sense here, and part of the argument is that if what you choose to watch does not fall into these certain categories, you're losing it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no way of constructing a feed where if you're making sure some content appears, other content doesn't uh, stop appearing. So I think a lot of Canadians, especially younger Canadians, they don't log on thinking, well, I need to make sure I need to get my 30% of Canadian content today. No. I think I love a lot of creators. Some of, their, uh, some of them are Canadian, some of them aren't, and I'm, I'm going to take from them all. And so we're really going to be encouraging the CRTC very strongly to respect that world, to respect our choices, and not do anything too heavy-handed that I think people would actually really hate. It is. You know, okay, I just want to, if you can help us too here, because I think uh, I was talking to some people about it and they just didn't get it. Again, you go to your computer, what what could be regulated here? A YouTube video? A movie? What? Yeah, so so anything on any of the major online streaming services could be regulated. Um, there's been sort of some some lack of clarity around just how far it could go, and we'd really been trying to get at least the the smallest foreign services excluded because it's kind of crazy to imagine that you know BritBox or or some Korean uh, drama site could suddenly find they have a CanCon obligation. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get that protection in the law. Uh, but again, we're going to be coming back to the CRTC and saying, well, you have to clean this up now. Um, surely you can can make clear that this needs to be a, a more modest obligation that applies to the larger streaming services and only in a, a very user choice respecting way. All right. You know, as as we look at it, it really is amazing how the world has changed. I can't imagine that there is not going to be a revolt here if any of those things start happening. I mean, people, I don't. I just don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle, Matt, do you? No, I don't. And, you know, if anything does happen that you really hate, turn a VPN on and you'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, lots of people don't <laughs> want to run a VPN for all kinds of reasons. But uh, this is such a sort of reactionary approach to the internet. It's an approach that's uh, very fearful, I think, of the external world in some ways, and doesn't have confidence that a lot of great Canadian creators can and are succeeding on the internet as we know it. You know, there's a lot of people who actually testified to the House and the Senate saying, I'm doing great on YouTube. My content is going gangbusters. Please don't screw this up for me. And we really need them not to make this actually worse for some creators, which is a concern some of them have. It is. And, uh, you know, it really is, as you say it, you talk about creators. There are people whose livings depend on this. People make money 
in this area now. And we don't, we still don't know. And it's been one of the fears if they're going to be shut down and should they be? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, uh, we would always be favorable to things that made sort of the black box of how some of these platforms work more more clear, uh, both to creators and to users. And if the government had been proposing that, I think that would be great. Um, but there's there's things that could go wrong here that are kind of counterintuitive. So the government can force us to see certain types of content in our feed. They can't force us to watch yeah. it. So if a bunch yeah. of creator content is is thrown at people who aren't actually that interested in seeing it, that actually really penalizes those creators overall in the system where even though they're, the option of watching them is being shown to more people, they might lose views on the whole uh, because they're not actually being targeted correctly by the system. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. You know, they can, you can lead the horse to water. You cannot make it drink. We're about maybe we're about to see more of that, Matt. Yeah, exactly. It was seen as the new frontier. And now the Canadian government is doing what the Canadian government certainly did to broadcasting for many, many years. Now it is doing to the Internet. Is it going to ruin it for you? Maybe you're a creator and you're excited about it. Maybe you're someone who thinks that you may be shut down. Matt, there are people who are kind of excited about that, aren't there? They want this. Absolutely. Yes. There's a lot of people, I think, particularly from sort of the more traditional, old school side of media, uh, and also quite a few people in Quebec. Um, you know, there's a lot of worry about losing language in Quebec. And people are seeing this bill as, as one path to reinforcing the language locally. All right. We've got Netflix, Disney, Spotify. If they put money into Canadian content, is it going to increase the stories? As I said, you know, this was such so controversial, such a thorn in the side of broadcasters. They had to get around it and they still do to some degree today. It has loosened up, though. I mean, there's a, a new a new field of users and producers here who have to get used to this, Matt, and they're used to freedom. Is that a, a key word here? Yeah, certainly freedom's been one of the key themes on this bill. I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, the government hasn't given a lot of reassurance to people uh, that there was no risk of their freedoms being affected by it. Um, They can do some cleanup now with the policy direction, and the CRTC can do some cleanup as well. But it's not quite the same thing as having a legal protection uh, of our content in the bill. And it means a future government and a future CRTC could change their mind and sort of step in and say, hey, actually, we do want you to regulate user speech as broadcasting. And and look, it turns out the law allows you to. And that's our concern. It is. And, you know, everybody's kind of wringing their hands over this because it's tied into broader, a broader question here. And I call it the Wild Wild West, whatever we do. There is a sense that there has been just taking it even out of here and what we can do and what we can't, that laying it all out certainly has its problems. We have misinformation, disinformation. What do we allow? Do we allow people to tell tell lies look at uh, how we look at elon musk and twitter and uh, he keeps yelling freedom and then he keeps taking it away on on twitter certainly in my opinion here matt it's uh, there's a lot of irony going on out there there is certainly and, and there are huge problems of misinformation online um that many many of us would like to see uh better handled uh, but something that's that's very broadly agreed, and even uh, the government had a poll recently themselves that showed this, is that Canadians do not trust the government to be the one deciding uh, what is and isn't truthful information. If there is to be some some cleanup on misinformation, it needs to be more 
uh, independent standards and, and bodies that are, are doing work on that, not the government uh, saying, hey, it turns out that, you know, correct information is, is that which represents our policies as we think they should be represented. It is. And there's a lot of people not used to it. We've got all sorts of uh, weighing in here that it's going to affect the actual political angles of things. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, I think um, unless they in- impose broadcasting regulations very aggressively, uh, which for now, at least I'd be surprised. I don't think people's content is at risk of being taken down, uh, according to broadcasting regulation. The area I'd really encourage people to watch, um, if they are worried about some voices being stifled, is that CanCon redefinition. So the question of what gets marked as, as official Canadian content and what doesn't could matter a lot if this ends up being quite a, a strong uh, change that the CRDC exerts. So uh, if you're worried that, that some of your, your favorite voices might not be designated as CanCon, I'd definitely follow that process and make sure that what comes of it is fair. Because the CRTC is, is a very process-driven uh, body. Um, they will attempt to abide by what comes from that process. And we just need to make sure what comes from it is is fair and reasonable. Matt, do we have any idea how they're going in this? Again, I have a, a little bit of uh, experience with the, the definition of it. and matters exactly what you say because of the interpretation of it. You know, is it is it Canadian? Do Canadian people have to have produced it? Do Canadian people have to be on it? Do you have to have a, a Canadian voice, a Canadian face? Or is it Canadian money? Does it have to be made in the bricks and mortar of a Canadian place? All that stuff, and there can that can you can get around those things and yeah. still do some pretty good stuff as long as you can you're fluid and agile and there's movement there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the really odd thing about official Canadian content is it kind of has this dual mandate where it's both supposed to represent Canadian storytelling on some level and uh, telling all kinds of stories about what it's like to be Canadian and, and living in Canada and reflect ourselves to ourselves. And that's kind of how the government sells it when they're talking to ordinary folk like like many of us. Uh, but when they're talking to creators, that is not how they sell it. It's about Canadian production. It is about making sure that money and key roles are flowing to many of these traditional Canadian companies. And it's it's kind of hard to pay equal respect to both sides at once. I mean, if you're doing Canadian storytelling, mm-hmm. you would think, well, Every Canadian should have a, an opportunity to be involved in that and, and tell what they think their story is. But when you're focused on production, that can get very technical and thorny. And that's where you see weird things like, you know, the hands made tail not being marked as Canadian yeah, or exactly. huge Netflix productions set in yeah. Toronto that are very clearly a Canadian story that they're not technically CanCon. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.